0: Well, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. I'm wearing multiple hats this morning. It's just the nature of ministry at times, but thankful for the team. And it's a large team. And as you see, we're going to end with communion at the end. I hope you came ready to celebrate and to be thankful. There are some verses in the Bible that are not easy to put into practice. They're easy to understand, but like to, to live out in practical Expression, this is one of them that we find today. It, it's, does everything mean everything? Because in the Bible it says, in everything give thanks. And so the question I, I've got to ask is, does everything mean everything? And as I prepared for this, even a couple weeks ago, as I started thinking about Thanksgiving, I was like, how can we give thanks in everything? Because there are some things, very frankly, that we don't want to be thankful for your unemployment, your health situation, your loved one that's in the hospital. The check that you get at the end of the month that's not quite enough to cover the expenses that come that month, all the things that come with life, that relationship that's not working out. And I'm supposed to get thankful for that. I'm supposed to be thankful for you know the school that I'm in and the struggles that I have there. I'm supposed to be thankful for these things. And and as as I thought about this, I thought about, you know, Mark Twain was quoted in the Waterton Daily Times 1915. He says, Some people are troubled by the things in the Bible they can't understand. The things that trouble me are the things that I can't understand. (laughs) There's no question about it. When he says, in everything give thanks, it's not like, well, you know, how do you explain that? It's very clear what he's saying there, but the challenge is, for me and for you, is how do we actually live this out? And as I began to dig in, I've discovered that not only did this verse, this command stand alone, but it actually stands with two other commands in the end of the book of Thessalonians. He says, first of all, rejoice, always rejoice, Continually pray in everything, give thanks. And these three commands from God are addressed to all of us even today. Well, what does that mean and and how does it work? Those are the questions that we're going to ask today as we... Move through 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And you got to understand, the book of Thessalonians is written, it's this young church. The apostle Paul went there in the first century. He had a great ministry there. People were coming to faith in Christ. They're turning from idols to Christ. And, you know, they discovered the one who died for them on the cross rose again. Exciting, exciting. Three weeks in, the, the, there's a riot in the town, and Paul leaves in the middle of the night. And so he's gone. He's like, what's going to happen to these new Christians? I'm a little nervous. Are they going to survive? How are they going to, you know, and he's he's nervous. He can't go back there. There's just too much heat on him. And so so he sends Timothy back there. Timothy gets the report. He does the scouting. He comes back to Paul and says, guess what? They're doing okay. But they got a few, they're confused about a few things. So Paul writes in this letter. This is the letter, 1 Thessalonians. Confusion about the end times, about the return of Christ. Confusion about how they're supposed to live in the midst of, of the challenges they face. And as he gets to the end of the letter, chapter 5, verse 16, he says... Always rejoice. Always rejoice. The term rejoice uh, is means to enjoy a state of happiness or well-being, to experience joy. He would say it to the to the Philippian church in, in Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. So this is part of the Apostle Paul's command to, to several churches, and, and it, it's a current command even for us today. Always rejoice. Now here's the challenge, right? You wake up and you hear dripping, drip, 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 drip. and you go downstairs, and guess what? Your hot water tank has blown up. There's water all over the basement floor, and you're like always, rejoice. The Apostle Paul says, right? You get called into work and they, hey, you come, you know, talk to the, you know, manager and you you come in there to your boss and there he is sitting there. He's got this like white face and you're like, oh man. He's like, I'm sorry. going to have to lay you off. Always rejoice. Take your kid to the doctor. Like, yeah, is something wrong with him? I don't know what's wrong with him. Sorry, I can't, you know, we we got to keep doing tests. And you're like, always rejoice. You're getting older. Things are starting to not work the way they're supposed to work, designed to work. You're like, always rejoice. How do you do that? We know what it means, but we don't always know how to actually put this into practice. James would write the, the, these Jewish people that were scattered throughout the Asia Minor in his letter, and he says, consider it nothing but joy when you fall into all sorts of trials. So when, when, when the heat comes up in your life, James says, you're supposed to be like, yes, I'm in a trial. I'm going to get fired from my job. hallelujah. You know, they're going to kick me out of school. You know, I'm going to get kicked off the team. My health is is horrible. I'm going for cancer treatments. Rejoice. Joy. It's not that we don't understand it, but boy, we sure struggle. I do. To put this into practice. I don't know. As I prepare for a sermon, I'm like, how am I going to apply this into my life? And I have several occasions in the last week where it's like, can I actually do this? Because something is wanting to rob my joy in the moment of, of circumstantial living. And, and somehow the Apostle Paul exhorts us in the Word of God here to, to step above that and to always rejoice. Hmm. He says in the second part there, verse 17, constantly pray. Constantly. Or perhaps your translation might say, pray without ceasing, without cessation. Without interruption, without intermission, another person would say. Don't stop praying now. It's like, yeah, that's nice. This is like for some monk that lives in the desert, right, that, that just dedicates himself to prayer all the time. How does this work for the young mom with preschoolers, right? You know, you got kids crawling up and down the curtains and diapers and dishes, and you're supposed to just pray. You know, okay, kids, shut up. You know, lock them in a door and, you know, pray. Like, how do you do this? You guys have, have work, you're, you're at a job, you're, you're in tr- responsible for heavy machinery or, or tools in the shop and you're supposed to just stop and pray. You know, turn the welder off and pray. Like, how, how does this work? Constantly, constantly pray. Jesus told a parable in Luke 18. He's like, he told this parable to show them that they should always pray and not lose heart. Keep on praying, keep on praying, keep on praying. How does this actually Work, even in Acts 2, that says the early church were, were gathered together, ho- devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. In Acts 6, they had this issue with feeding widows, and there's the Greek widows, there's the Jewish widows. The, the Greek widows don't seem to be getting as much food as the Jewish widows, and they're, they're bringing this issue to the apostles, and they're like, look, let's appoint some deacons, because we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, some people have a ministry of prayer, like intercessory prayer. It's an important ministry. Certain people are given that, that wonderful gift to, to be able to just intercede and pray, and, but some, most of us have lives to live, bills to pay, diapers to change, dishes to wash, clothes to clean, houses to, to look after, and how are we supposed to constantly pray? Brother Lawrence was this monk in the... 17th century and he he worked in the kitchen he was not the smartest egg like he wasn't you know the the you know the PhD in the group he was the the grunt but he wrote this simple little book and he talked to he calls it practicing the presence of God and what he said is prayer is a ongoing conversation to every aspect and part of life Every duty and responsibility can be an act of prayer. As you wash dishes, as you feed pigs, as you work in the garden, it can be an act of prayer because you are always in communication with God. What Paul's saying is don't, you don't have to be on your knees the whole time, but you're aware that God is there. And when you need to, you turn to Him in prayer. The Thessalonians before this would turn to their idols, they'd turn to their, you know, their Their guilds, their unions, they had all sorts of other things. But now, having turned away from all that towards Christ, Paul's like saying, look, you can go to God any time in prayer. You don't have to wait for the appointed time. You don't have to offer special rituals or sacrifices or offerings. He is always listening. Constantly pray. When the heat is on, and the boa constrictor gathers around your heart and squeezes it, some of you have had this experience this week. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Just tough stuff going on. And you're like, what do I do? The Apostle Paul says, you can pray. Just take it to the Lord. You know, we used to sing that song. What a friend we have in Jesus, right? You know, all our sins and griefs to bear, you know, you know and how we often forfeit because we don't turn to God in prayer. Constantly. Pray. Do you know, understand? You have this resource at your disposal, right? It's not like calling for one of those helplines, you know? Boy, nothing like taking the joy is to call in a helpline, right? And then you get like a automated thing. Press this, press this, press this. And then you press a button and all of a sudden the line goes dead. You're like, what? I just spent 10 minutes and I, and I got the deadline. And then, then the joy starts robbing out of your soul. But when you come to God, you don't have to go through 50 different, you know, you know lists and, you know, press this, press this, press this. God's like, I'm listening. Constantly pray. And then he says, in everything, give thanks. Everything? Like everything. Is that really what he means here? Well, I have a little video here which kind of highlights maybe what what you're thinking of when you see this verse. This is what I was thinking of initially. So in everything, give thanks. Here's this little video here. We're going to watch it now. I hope your Thanksgiving celebrations are not so irreverent as that. (laughs) For everything, give thanks. Or in everything, give thanks. It's a big difference there. Because some of you are like, "Like, there's situations in my life I'm not thankful for, and and I don't think you need to be for them. But in those situations, you can be thankful. You want to thank God for the hardship, the difficulty, for the injustice but you can thank God in that, that he's with you and carrying you through. It is everything. It's not, it's, it's not just for some things. It's like some of these commands, it's like, yeah, I can rejoice in the Lord like on Sundays. I can rejoice in the Lord, you know, on, on holidays, on birthdays, anniversaries, on payday. But every day, really? I pray all, all the time. And then he says, in everything give thanks. Does everything mean everything? It does mean everything. In the Second World War, a uh, Dutch family, the Ten Boom family, was arrested because they were hiding Jews in their house. And they were taken to the Ravensbrück concentration camp. Horrible, horrible place. Horrible situation. But Corrie Ten Boom writes these stories of her and her sister's experiences there. And they were taken to this dormitory, and they were reading this verse together. They were doing a little Bible study, and it says, and everything give thanks. And, and Betsy says to Corrie, you know, we should give Thanks. God. And, she, you know, of course, like, I can give thanks to God, but I can't give thanks to God for the fleas because the place was just full of fleas. And Betsy said, no, we should give thanks to God for the fleas. Really? Okay. You know, and so, but, but every week they were able to have these Bible studies and, and worship services and get together. And, and it was really odd, you know, because normally that wasn't allowed. But, but then finally a couple months down the road, it came out the truth. The guards that oversaw that particular camp hated going into that dormitory because of all the fleas. And so as a result, they had free reign to run Bible studies, have worship services, sing, you know, read God's word, because none of the guards wanted to go in there. In everything, give thanks. Do you believe that God can bring good even out of the most difficult, hard situations in your life? Yes. As a result, you can, in everything, Give thanks. Hendrickson in his commentary says, you know, when a person prays without giving thanks, he has clipped the wings of prayer so that it cannot rise. You know, sometimes we, we pray. We, we can sort of rejoice, but we like that constantly. Pray, if, especially if it means we just bring our laundry list to God all the time. God, I need this. God, I need this. God, I need this. God, I need this. But he says it needs to include this idea of thanksgiving because thanksgiving puts your life in a context. You see, it says, therefore, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you've been with the Lord for very long, you'll know this is one thing we often talk about. What is the will of God for my life? Uh, Young people often struggle with this. What is God's will for my life? right? What, what is God's will? And sometimes, you know, when we were like in college age, where if you got into a relationship you wanted to get out of, you could just go to the girl and say, well, I don't think it's God's will that we're together any longer, right? You know, you know we could kind of blame God for the breakup, right? And, and that, that's such a cheesy thing to do, right? I mean, just admit it, you know, you're, you're not mature enough to be in a relationship, but no, blame God. But just, what is God's will? Does he want me to go to Africa? Does he want me to do this? He, you know, what is God's will? What is God's will? But there's parts in the scripture where it's really clear. What is God's will? It's God's will that you would always rejoice Constantly pray, and in everything give thanks. This is God's will for you. What does God want me to do? He wants you to to discover the joy in every point of your life. He wants you to, to realize that you have this constant companionship with him where you can access and pray at any point, and that you can have this attitude of gratitude of thanksgiving that just supersedes everything in your life. You can be thankful. That's God's will for you. There's nothing worse than a person that's unthankful, ingrateful. It's just sort of, you know, always complaining, never satisfied entitled and feel like they deserve more and more and more. Like They would just suck the life out of every family gathering, out of every dorm area, of every office, of every shop, of every, I mean, boy, but, but when you reverse that and you say, I'm thankful, I, I, and I can discover things to be thankful for in everything, it changes the whole tone. If you have that kind of person in your life, you're like, man, I'm so glad. I love hanging out with them. They're so thankful. They're so, they, they've got something there. Well, what is it? It's the presence of God in their life. In everything, give How do you do that, though? Let's just be honest, right? You know when the fridge breaks down, you hear that clunk in the car, and the car goes to the side, or you get in after a long day at work and nothing, and you're like, rejoice (laughs) in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, you know, pray constantly, you give give thanks. I mean, how, how do you do this in real life? Your kid has gone off and you don't know what they're doing and you're wondering if they're even following Jesus anymore and you're like, how do I give thanks? How, How do I, you know, rejoice? But the key is at the end of that verse, in Christ Jesus. I've always struggled with this idea of thanksgiving in the world because who are you thankful to? I mean, for me, Thanksgiving is clearly in the context of God and, and of Jesus. And my whole life is a, is a response of praise to what he's done for me. and that, That's an eternal response that w- will last forever and ever because of what he's done for me. But if you don't have God in your life, who are you thanking? I guess you thank mom and dad, thank grandma and grandpa, thank the government, thank, you know, who, who are you thanking? You know, kids send home little things from public school, you know, Let's th- I'm thankful for. Well, who are you thankful to? What context do you, do you think? It just seems so, so nebulous. I'm thankful to the universe. I'm thankful to the great spirit of the, you know, of, of the skies. I mean, what, what are you thankful to? But in the Bible, we find in Christ Jesus, the grounds for rejoicing, for praying, for thanksgiving. Jesus comes in the earth, right? He's, you know, he's born and all of a sudden these angels show up. And they're speaking to these shepherds, these blue, blue-collar kind of workers in the field. And he says, behold, I bring you good news of great. Say it out. Say it out louder. Joy. Jesus shows up in the world and the, the, the announcement from heaven is joy. Jesus is here. And they go and they find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, very unlikely and, and weird thing, but it clearly uh, a sign of that God has placed him there. And And they return rejoicing and praising God for everything was just as it had been told. The wise men show up and they see the, st- the star shining on the place where the child lays. And it says in Matthew that they rejoiced with a great joy. And And the the Greek kind of piles up the, you know, the, the, the language to, to present it in the most superlative fashion. This is the greatest joy possible. These men finally have discovered what they've been looking for, the Savior, the King of Israel. And what does it bring into their life? What does it bring? Joy. In Christ Jesus. I mean, in a short little while after this great discovery of joy, there's going to be a great slaughter of children, of babies in Bethlehem. And so while we sometimes experience joy, it doesn't mean that there's not evil going on around us. Jesus is born into an evil, sin-stained, messed up world, but he brings joy. Jesus would be preaching. He says, you know what? When a sinner repents, there's this huge party in heaven. Woo-hoo! You know, like in Luke chapter 15, verse 10, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. And he would say in verse 8, then over 99 righteous people. Heaven doesn't get excited when there's a bunch of churchy people doing churchy things, but boy, when a sinner turns to Jesus, I'll turn on the, the disco lights in heaven. Joy, you know, joy. So Jesus is this difference maker. The Thessalonians knew this. The question is, do, do, do you and I know this? How do I constantly live in this reality of, of joy that just continues and continues and continues? And it really begins right here with Jesus. As he transforms our hearts, our minds, our perspective, we discover this joy. Heaven is going to be a, a joyful place. There's going to be no fire hosers, no downers there, no negative Nellies. Not allowed. No, no. Heaven is a place of great joy and celebration because of Christ. In Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul, before he goes to Thessalonica, is in Philippi. Just down the road. It's in modern-day Greece. And there he is, and he's, you know, he's preaching, and some people are getting saved. It's a small group, but there's this girl that keeps chasing them around, and they're like... Come on, you know, you know, and she's like, these are servants of the most high God. She's a soothsayer. She's like demon-possessed, and her owners are using her to make money, and she's, you know, she's a great little sideshow. And finally, Paul just turns around and casts out this demon, right, this unclean spirit, and she's, she's delivered. She's whole, but now the, her owners are ticked, just taking away their great business, their great sideshow, and so they have them arrested, and they're, they're stripped of their clothes. They're beaten with rods, and it says they're, they're, they're placed in securely in jail with their feet in stocks. So what turned into, like, from a great preaching exercise now, they're, they're imprisoned, bruised, beaten, bloody, literally, like, locked down, immobilized. Now, think about yourself in this moment. You know, I'd probably feeling pretty sad for myself, sorry for myself, feeling like a great victim in that circumstance. I'm I unjustly treated. I deserve better than this. But what the Bible says Paul and Silas are doing is they're singing hymns and praying to God. The whole jail is listening to this little service going on in their jail cell. They're like, how do those guys sing? The blood is drying on their backs, the bruises are rising to the surface, and they're singing. There's joy coming out of that cell. Earthquake. Boom, you know, all the chains fall off, the doors spring open, the jail, the jailkeeper's like, oh no, I'm dead. These guys are free and they're gonna hold me accountable. And so he, he's getting ready to take his own life. And Paul's like, wait a second, you don't need to do that. It's good. We're girl, we're all here. It's like this is way too weird. Like they go outside, it's like, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Boom. That night, Paul's baptizing the jailer and his family. But joy in the most craziest of circumstances how do you do it you're unemployed you're broke your physical health is deteriorating or or maybe they're unable to help you because they can't find out what's wrong with you you are lonely you don't feel like you have a future in in, in store for you, you're just working at an aimless job and you're wondering like, like how do I rejoice, how do I pray, how do I give thanks in all things because of Christ Jesus a game changer. That's what makes our Thanksgiving different than all the Thanksgivings out there. This generic kind of Thanksgiving in the U.S., it's a big shopping holiday, but for us it's an reorientation to the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. In everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, the word for give thanks in this text is Eucharista which maybe some of you understand. The Eucharist is the, is, is the term, the churchy term for communion. It's a Thanksgiving meal. And so today as we reorient and we think about, okay, how do we actually rejoice always? How do we actually pray continually? How do we give thanks in everything? It's because of Jesus Christ. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I invite you to participate with us as we celebrate communion together today. If you're not sure where you stand with Jesus, that's fine. Just pass. Stay where you are. Don't, you know, just watch us and enjoy just what's going on here. But this is a meal, a family meal. As we gather and we pick up the cup and the bread, we are recognizing that we are family here. Family because of Jesus Christ. Not family because we were born family, not family because we were share common citizenship, but, but family because of Christ. And that affinity, that relationship enables us to rejoice always, pray continually, and in everything give thanks. How do we obey these commands? It's because of Jesus. If you're still checking out Jesus, that's fine. No pressure. You don't need to come and participate but this is for those who believe in Jesus Christ. If you have sin in your life and you know it, you came in this morning and you just know there's, there's a black cloud over your head. No one else sees it, but God sees it. You're like, yeah, I got to deal with some stuff before I, then you know what, you just just refrain from participating because this is a celebration of our, our deliverance from sin. The reality that we stand in freedom and righteous and pure today because of what Christ did. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So if you confess that, come and participate with us. This is a reminder, a rebooting, a reprogramming of our lives around Jesus Christ. And once you get Christ into the center of your heart and your life, you discover the ability to to rejoice. to turn to him in prayer no matter what's going on and to to find a reason to be thankful no matter what is going on in your life. In everything, give thanks. Does everything mean everything? Yes. Why does it mean everything? Because Christ is everything. And once Christ is everything, all the other garbage, and I really mean that, that we deal with on a weekly basis, it just gets cleared out of the room because we invite Christ into our lives and into this room. And so as you come, forget about all that other stuff, all that junk. I know you're going to go back to it on Tuesday, and that's life. But we just put that aside because Jesus says, you proclaim my death as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. You proclaim my death until I come, until I I finish this path and, and clean up this mess. Just keep doing this. It's a little appetizer. The best is yet to come. It's a tiny little taster, but the best is yet to come. We are going to celebrate with Jesus in heaven forever and ever and ever, a place of eternal joy, of constant companionship, and of thanksgiving. And this is a tiny piece of that. It's a reminder of what we're all about. So I'm going to invite the team, and they're going to come and and lead, and Stephen's going to come. And what's going to happen is you're going to come up the sides, And you can use the hand sanitizer if you'd like. That's your call. You would grab a cup from the trays. And then you come to the middle. Stephen will be distributing bread in the middle. It might take a little while. If we run out of cups, we have a few more of those kind of pull tab kind of communion things in a bowl. If you're unable to get up and walk around, you can stay where you are. We have someone that will float around and distribute that. It's right here. And so, um, you know, but... We are trusting by faith that we'll have enough. This is kind of like the little, the bread and the fish (laughs) we're going to distribute. But, you know, this is your opportunity to come and to celebrate. And then I'll lead us as we partake of the bread and the cup together after everyone has received. So you'll come up the side aisles. You will... And that was missed, I'd like to receive communion now. Just please indicate by raising your hand. Scripture says, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread and he gave thanks. Would you Join me as we give thanks for the bread. We thank you, Lord, for these pieces of bread which remind us of the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he became sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, that we are here today because he is our perfect substitute. By faith in him, we stand complete and forgiven. Thank you that you sent Jesus to be our Savior. And we partake of this bread with deep appreciation, thanksgiving, and worship in our hearts to you alone. Be praised forever and ever. Amen. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. same way. He also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant to my blood. Do this every time you drink it in remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us remember our Savior. I want you to spend a moment just thanking God in your hearts as we prepare to lead in the final song. This is your opportunity to put the scriptures into action. What can you rejoice for today? What can you pray about today? What can you be thankful for today? Just encourage you to take this moment and just bring those things to the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, you're so good to us we praise you give us the strength in Christ Jesus this week and the courage and the resolve to rejoice always to pray continually and to in everything give thanks and so live out your will for us in Christ Jesus we walk in the power of his name this week I pray your protection over every family Every individual, go ahead of them to their workplaces, to their schools, to their neighborhoods, every place that they visit. Lord, may your presence go with them, guide them, and lead them, and comfort and encourage them. Be glorified in our lives this week. And today and tomorrow, we resolve to give thanks. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, God bless you. Have a great Thanksgiving.